Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock, and we're tonight joined by the engineer on now car 44, was 23, Brendan Hogan. Welcome on board, Brendan. It's terrific to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tony. Thanks, Craig, for having me. A- absolutely. Look, um, you obviously got continuity of a car, while not the driver. Um, obviously, it was a fair-sized shock uh, this year to find that... Uh, 23 Red had closed down and that uh, 44 Boost was now your uh, prime subject. Um, you've got a driver who's also experienced like Will and uh, brings uh, a lot to the table. I imagine that uh, you'd enjoy someone as experienced as he is. Yeah, look, um, me and Will, we just started moving into our second year, like we were quite competitive last year. And yeah, look, I'm not going to say I wasn't disappointed that this whole thing happened, but then uh, behind every cloud there's like obviously a silver lining and yeah, for James and Peter Adderton to come on board, yeah, yeah, it's been really exciting and yeah, me and James have sort of hit it off together pretty well. Um, we spent a fair bit of time together up in in Darwin, so yeah, just sort of helped uh, that whole, speed up the whole uh, engineer-driver relationship, spending a few weeks locked together. Indeed. Now, you've also had something um, for all the engineers and all the teams that uh, we've not seen before in our category. That is four consecutive weekends of racing. Um, that's pretty amazing sort of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, look, other, other categories around the world do it. Probably NASCAR is your best example of that. But um, for me, I'm, I'm a racer. I've, I've absolutely loved every second of it. Like, just getting on with it, getting as many races done and getting us out there in the public eye like as much as possible. I think I think it's a really good thing to do. Like, yeah, the, the workload's been um, has been pretty big and, and touch wood, no no cars have had any massive shunts, which would have put a real um, like would have put would have put a massive strain on the teams. But yeah, touch wood it continues all the way through Bathurst. But yeah, no, no one's lost a chassis or a car yet. So that that would have been the big um, dampener or the, the real strain on getting getting everything done but yeah as, as far as I'm concerned I've, I've loved every every second of it like just getting on with it and yeah keeping the ball rolling and and as we've seen that the, every team to greater or lesser degree has responded because the back-to-back weekends in both Darwin and Townsville have seen uh, you know very close as close as we've ever seen really on the size of tracks they are um, Grids that are tight with, uh, you know, a second covering the field and, and good close racing without being silly. And that's one of the things I actually pointed out to Craig uh, in our last show that I've been delighted that so few penalties handed out, not because um, the, the stewards are going soft or anything like that, but purely and simply that there are so few mistakes being made either by drivers at the wheel or mechanics in the pits. Finger mistakes not happening. People really doing a great job. I mean, I think there's only the one Todd Hazelwood letting the wheels slip because um, the uh, the speed limiter wasn't on. And I think that it's been fantastic. And it's a sure indictment of the category and the skill of the people in it. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Like, 
people from overseas look at our category and they're like, there is absolutely no bad drivers and there's no bad teams in our category. Like everyone operates at such a high level. Everyone knows so much about the cars, the preparation. Like I, I wouldn't expect anything less from our category. Like obviously, yeah, doing the, the four weeks in a row, yeah, has been tough on parts and that sort of stuff. But yeah, the teams have got um, enough enough structure and like, infrastructure behind them that it shouldn't actually be um, it shouldn't actually be that hard. As I said, like no one no one had a significant chance to lose a chassis or required the car to go back on a jig, um, which obviously helps that thing. But in terms of like your sub assembly and transaxle um, lifing and motors and all that sort of stuff like that. It's at such a high level. Like it's probably one of the highest levels uh, of motorsport in the world. Like you watch what happened at the uh, the F1 race with people staying out, pitting when they shouldn't have. It just yeah, it kills you as a race engineer watching other categories sometimes because of the mistakes that they make. It's quite frustrating. But it's simply because the level of the supercars is such a high level. Um, yeah, it's just, just sort of where we're all at at the moment. Now, looking at that engineering job, which is your principal one, getting speed out of a car, that's your primary job. And that um, the back-to-back weekends, uh, it's a unique format for this year, and, and obviously it's just optimising the fact that the teams are all there, you, you've done your quarantine things, and both in Darwin and Townsville, you're able to then, you know, complete uh, four weekends of racing. Now, it must make a, a big difference when you're going back to the same track a week later to, to look at the, A, first of all, car setup, speed and qualifying, race speed, and then the strategies. It, it, has it helped you as it would everyone else to, to do that? Um, yeah, I'd say it has. But the, the way that we sort of approached it um, as a team was sort of just treating it as, as one really big race weekend like this. It wasn't really much point because of, of throwing like the Hail Mary pass on someone because the way that the points are structured, you actually don't get rewarded for having a big crack at someone. So sort of the, the way that the category, yeah, the way the points and everything, yeah, it just it just doesn't reward you. So what we were doing with our, or for, for our car, car 44, we're just trying to build little bit by little bit um, as each session went on and just trying to maximise the best thing that we had. Like, the, the for instance, the first round at Darwin, they had split, the split tyre rule. We had the split tyre rule, so that um, that really helped. Like, I think that's the best thing for the category at the moment. Like, you need to spread the love in terms of results. Um, so for us, we put all our eggs on the Saturday basket. We got a podium. We come back the next weekend and qualified third and Cam pipped us in the pit. So he got the podium, we finished fourth. So, yeah, we just kept trying to build on from that. And, yeah, having the, the two weekends in down, uh, in Townsville, we are, yeah, we were quite competitive in the first one. But, yeah, just it's the same for all the teams. You're just always trying to build on it and just treat it as one big race weekend. Well, that, that's what we're trying to do for, from our side. Um, and I'm sure all the other teams are approaching it the same because you always you look at how close the field is and you're not miles away setup-wise from a good car like you're only a little bit off but it's all the little bits that add up and yeah we're just trying to um just optimize what we have and yeah get the best out of it it was interesting to see how uh your team has been able to work together would you say knowing that you're in your second year with will where are you at in the timeline of uh knowledge now after such a 
compacted time together with James. Do you do you having all that time together, knowing that he, like Will, is in Queensland, do you think that's accelerated and you are getting towards Bathurst but have had the equivalent of a year together already? Yes and no. Like I think the the thing with me and Will, like we, we definitely had a really good relationship and I still do. Like it's not as if the guy's died, like he's just up the road. Um, he'll, he'll be out of the category. I'm sure he'll get a drive next year. But, yeah, in terms of James, but I'd say probably the best thing that happened is, yeah, we, we spent a fair bit of time together in Darwin, quite a, bit, a fair bit of truth serum in him, had a few big nights. So, yeah, that was the, the best thing to um, to bring us together as a group, not just me and James, but the whole 44 guys. Like, yeah, we all got on with it and tried to just shortcut it, break down the barriers. And, yeah, we, it's you, you see the guys like who are experienced with our category, they sort of have seen it all before, so they're not – they they know what they like, but at the same time they know what's sort of where they're at, what to expect. So yeah, I think having James's knowledge base coming to our team has actually helped us a fair bit because Will had spent 2018 in a in a in a Tigford customer car, and James has come out of 10 years of Walkinshaw. So yeah, having what he's seen and yeah, I think it's actually helped us move forward as a team because rather than just trying to give him Will Davison set up. Um, we've actually like tried to go in a different direction and help and yeah like all our cars were obviously all trying to push forward and then when someone else sees someone going quicker like you can obviously learn from that and yeah put it into your car so I, I think as a team um, not taking anything away from Will I think we've actually moved forward stronger together as a, as a unit obviously the last race at Townsville was quite frustrating we didn't actually get any rewards out of that but yeah as a team I think having uh, people from different teams, different structures actually helps you move forward as an organisation. And you have been travelling as a smaller road crew at the track than what we've seen in previous years. Are we going to get to Bathurst and you're going to have a group of guys who are absolutely on their game because they've just been living, breathing, eating the season in such a compacted way and then you're going to bring in the fuel guys and a couple of extra people in? Is this where it's going to become a, a very tricky exercise? And I'm not even talking about the driver. I'm talking about the guys that you're going to have to integrate into the work, into the garage. I think um, yes and no. I think it, it always comes back in motorsport. You have the haves and you have the have-nots. So I think um, the teams who are fortunate enough to, to have the stuff, they're already the, – the people who are going to be putting the fuel in the car, they're already at the race weekend anyway. So it's not a big thing, I think. In terms of engineering, I think it will be a little bit different because we haven't done any fuel races. So Bathurst would traditionally be like a lot of little mini 200k races, call them inside Bathurst. So you, you, you've been doing that every Sunday the whole year. So having the 100k races with no fuel, I think that's probably going to be the biggest thing. And you might, I think it'll probably take once into the race for everyone to blow the cobwebs out of themselves. And then I think it'll just be back to back to everything. I think you might see a couple of little rookie mistakes and depending what they're doing with the brake change rule, you might see a little bit of issues early on. But as I said, there's there's no poor teams, there's no poor drivers and everyone will be on it come the second skin of the race anyway. So, yeah, I don't think it'll be a drama. You um, started the Townsville T2, we'll call it. You started that uh, pretty quickly with uh, James topping the session in uh, P1 on Friday, or Saturday morning rather. Um 
and it took you a while to get back to that sort of time. It was a 12-6 you did in that session. Uh, was there something special about those tyres? <laughs> yeah, they were, uh, they were matched perfectly. No, that, that's, that's the thing with supercars, like, you never, you never that far away. Like as I said, like we finished, we finished P. Or as you said, we finished P one in practice one. I think we'll P four or five in practice two. So we're pretty happy with the car. Sort of think we knew what we got, and then we couldn't even get anywhere near the shootout um, on Saturday. So like, there a couple of things change. Obviously, there there was more uh, the track conditions change, which we probably should have chased a little bit more, but. You don't have to be miles away to be off. Like, I think we will chase in a tenth and a half to be in the shootout than we would have been back where we want. But same thing happened on Sunday. Like, we were, we were absolutely nowhere the first qualifying session and then just did, like, a very, very minor change with the car. And James was like, nah, we're back. And then, yeah, he needed a tenth and he would have qualified fifth. And we, instead, we were ninth. But, yeah, it's just the category, like, the closeness of the category sort of hides sometimes your actual pace. So, yeah, you look at... For me, the, the the two highlights are like how Scotty Pye and Frosty they can they they've been absolutely nowhere in qualifying, and then as soon as they get into a race, their their true pace comes through. So yeah, I, I think once they get their qualifying pace sorted, they'll be a real force to be reckoned with that team. But yeah, it's just you wouldn't even be talking to them after qualifying. It's just that they they can show their true pace in the race and carve everyone up and get going. So it just, it just once again, it just highlights how close. Um, supercars is and how high the, the level of engineering and preparation and driving is. Just, you got nowhere to hide. Yeah. I, I've been chatting with Phil Keed about the strategy and about the the way he was putting the races together after the qualifying. And it, it, it was fascinating the amount of information you guys are considering across, you know, very short spaces of time in relative terms. And um, and what he was going into was about, you know, drop off of tyres at one track compared to another, race pace versus qualifying pace. And I guess you're always backing yourself that if you didn't have the qualifying pace, you're going to do something to get the race pace you need. So then you can start doing some of the things that Phil so successfully did across four weekends of racing. Yeah, absolutely. Like. I'm, I'm sure he's doing exactly the same analysis that that we're doing after every session, every every race. Like just you, you just have to know exactly where you're at, um, or have the confidence to back yourself more than anything. Like we, as I said, like we were pretty happy up with our car, for example, um, after practice too. So we're like, right, we'll just put some tyres on and go and qualify, and then we're absolutely nowhere. And then in the race, we could actually come back through again. It's just. Yeah, it's just you got. Even though they've taken a lot of the the sensors and the um, the data downloads off us this year, we've still got massive, massive amounts of information to um, either get well lost in or get well found in and back up your arguments. So, yeah. Now Brock Feeney's joining the team at Bathurst, a rookie coming up with the second most, I think, experienced driver in the field. That's going to be an interesting balance you're going to have to manage. Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it. Like, um, I wasn't hit. Brock wasn't my first choice, but um, after watching him perform, like we had a test day before Eastern Creek, and that really lifted um, a few eyebrows. And then watching him 
hand, the way he handled himself over the Eastern Creek DVS round, like he put the car on the front row a couple of times, had some dramas off the start, but then managed to have really good race pace. But I think um, for him, the biggest advantage he's got, he's got a really good mentor in Paul Morris. So I think he gives him, um, keeps him pretty level-headed as a rookie. And yeah, I, I, honestly, I think going into that race, um, as long as the team, like, it all comes down to, to management. Like, if we put a lot of pressure on him, tell him to go flat through the chase on the first lap, I, I'm pretty sure you'll have a drama. But as long as, like, we just give him the information, because his job at the end of the day is just to give the car back to James with three stints to go, and then that'll be it. Like, you said to it, like, if you said, oh, would you remember who was two-tenths slower or three-tenths slower than their co-driver in 2018? No one would remember that it was Richo, and they won the race. So that's sort of where that's sort of where the level is, um, and the expectation of their job. Like gone are the days when you can actually put two rookies together and have a crack. Like he, he's fully aware that his job will be just to do the lunchtime stint, drive around, give the car back to James, and yeah, build on his experience. And yeah, hopefully we can we can help him with his experience along the rut, uh, along the way. So yeah. I've long said that uh, it's not just the standard of the young uh, young drivers coming through; it's the people that attach themselves to those young drivers. And you know, you've got to look at the fact that uh, Larco and and Paul Morris were both involved with Anton. No one questioned when Anton went to Bathurst and then stuck it in a top ten. Um, you know, the fact that uh, Paul's been in Brock's uh, uh, corner for about two or three years is a fair indictment of the kid. Um, can you give us a rundown roughly? Okay, you've got uh, two weekends off now before Tail and Bend. Um, what's the schedule? Uh, your family stay up there with you, obviously. D- uh, the cars go then straight, the trucks go straight to Tail and Bend? Yeah, so I think it's still dependent on uh, border restrictions because at the moment um, I don't think the trucks can get through New South Wales. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to, pretty much have like four or five days to turn the car around for Tail and Ben. Um, and I think the trucks have got to make their way back through the Northern Territory and then back down to South Australia so they don't have to go through New South Wales. Um, so I think the cars, maybe Saturday they've got it, the trucks will have to leave at this stage. I know, I know they're working like the supercars in the New South Wales government and it's probably more the South Australian government, the one you've got to please allowing the trucks to drive through New South Wales. So, yeah, got that drama overcome. Um, I think we all fly down to Taylor or to Quite Adelaide on the Thursday, do some finishing touches, set up the garage, um, obviously have the, the first race, uh, race weekend at Taylor. And then I think a few of the boys are going to go out um, to Adelaide. Maybe they'll just see the sights because that's one of the other things that we, we've never actually seen before. Like usually all you see on a race weekend, you go, um, airport, hotel, track, they're the three things that you actually you see. And, yeah, like this is sort of like Darwin where we're out fishing and um, have a look at crocodiles. Like you actually really get a, a really good appreciation of all the other stuff that happens in these uh, in these uh, places that we're lucky enough to go and race. But, yeah, for us, a few of the boys are going to go out to like do a couple of winery tours. But I think the guys with families are going to go back to the Gold Coast for a few days and then head back for Townsville 2, uh, sorry, um, Tail and Bend 2. After Tail and Bend, the plan is the trucks will come back to SeaWorld. We've been, that's sort of our home away from home at the moment. So SeaWorld, 
have been hooking us up with their convention center. So we've been prepping the cars in there, which is, yeah, there could be a lot worse workshops around the world. So, yeah, we've, we've got everything there that we need. Um, and then, yeah, prep it. I think it's another two weeks. And then we go to, go to Bathurst and, yeah, try and win the thing. All right. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you, Brendan. Um, we'll certainly be watching. I uh, signed up for KO, so I've enjoyed watching far more than I've ever seen before. And uh, I look forward to chatting to you maybe after the second tail and then. Um, and you'll still be in Adelaide uh, those couple of days uh, after there then. No worries. I look forward to it. Thanks very much, Brendan Hogan of uh, Boost Mobile Racing. That's Car 44 with James Courtney. Brendan Hogan, Tickford Racing. Thanks for joining us on Inside Supercars with Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. All right, thanks guys. Happy to happy that you have me on. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more, or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panelists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.